Hello, and welcome into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and joining us today are two very close friends. Some say Fargus experts, uh, Alana Oaken and City Lancrete. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, truly. I'm sorry to pull the rug under you with Fargus experts, but I, I've been thinking about it all morning, <laughs> and here we are. I this, this is I'm so happy to have you both on. Today we're largely talking about Fire Emblem Three Hopes. You two are probably the biggest Three Houses fans I know, and also I think the two people I know directly who have done all four routes of Three Houses. So Hell I'm excited yeah. to have your knowledge and Sylvain expertise. <laughs> my doctorate in sylvain studies these all managed to sound like insults yeah this is like weirdly roast-esque i'm so sorry like, i truly mean this as a compliment and it's like you're the biggest losers that i know and i can't wait to hear today on the show we've got two people who picked the sad boy house <laughs> <laughs> they like when things are cold i mean blue lions were my first house so you know we all have a a cold, sad boy place in our hearts. Yeah. They were my first like go-to also when Three Houses first came out. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Blue Lions because they seem like the most like uh, 1980s prep lame kind of like school jocks. <laughs> like they just seem like the least interesting and uh, quickly learned that that was not the case. <laughs> yeah. they. It's very much a bait and switch. Yeah. Like with a lot of characters in that game. Yeah. I do want to say before we get into Three Hopes, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who listened to the Nintendo DS yes. season premiere. That episode is doing very well. Uh, a lot of people sharing it. Thank you all so much for doing that. Uh, thank you so much for helping us hit our Patreon goal so quickly. That was also like really pretty wild. It's like literally the next day. Um, so now we can pay AJ their full rate, which is amazing um, and afford essentially just the cost of the show as it grows. It has grown past the point of us being like, this is a fun thing we do on weekends. It's like, oh shit, we have to like treat it like a business now, like fortunately yeah. and unfortunately. I am wearing a suit for this recording. <laughs> just for the record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, photoshop that um but <laughs> i do like that we had planned pretty much from like multiple weeks ago like let's just do the most self-indulgent thing we possibly can for the next episode it's like cool we're gonna welcome a bunch of people into the fold very general interest like nintendo ds thing everybody's got nostalgia for that thing okay immediately follow it with like hours of <laughs> fire emblem content uh which is like really only great if you've played the first game yeah i feel like i this is i've referred to this as our Rocky Horror multiple times and I think with the four of us like it really is like almost mystery science theater levels yeah. of like commentary <laughs> on this game we're just weird robots throwing popcorn at the screen very very excited so I guess we wanted to open with like a spoiler free discussion of the game yeah yeah I was just gonna throw it to Sadie first I'm just curious how you're feeling about three hopes so far yeah, uh, this was the first Muso game, Warriors game that I had touched. And I love that there was the demo so I could kind of get my bearings before heading into the full game. But I remember like the first hour or two, whenever I was in these battles, I was just laughing because I was just <laughs> I was pressing X and Y as many times as fast as I could, being like, I don't know what's happening, but this is great. I'm punching everyone. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, kind of along for the ride with it being, you know, a goofy combat game. But the longer it went, the more it kind of like showed how ingeniously they like melded in the tactics stuff from three totally. houses mm -hmm. and after you kind of like get past the oh my god i'm punching 100 guys at once you're like oh no i can i can be devilish on the battlefield <laughs> and <laughs> and that's that's been really fun so like 
as far as because you know i'm gonna love a fire emblem game with all of my little little meow meows in it uh but <laughs> i'd say uh I, it also really warmed me up to just the structure of the game and this new combat style as well i think like as someone who has played this genre before this is for whatever reason the most i have enjoyed it on a mechanical level i just think and we've mentioned this in in a previous episode like the collaboration between koei tecmo and the team that makes this game and there's a lot of overlap there even with like because koei tecmo helped developed three houses i believe or at least were involved in the production in some yeah. way but there's like a very genuine interest in the other that i think like kind of heightens both elements like you said like the tactics stuff like because i think with muso games the challenge is never am i gonna lose it's always can i hit the goal fast enough mm-hmm. so i think like the ability to stop time and tell people where to go and switch between characters aids that part of the game really well and i also think that like a pitfall for this genre for me has always been like it can feel very repetitive like after you see the same animation cycle for the 80th time it's like okay like this is cool but i'm kind of over it in this game the fact that everyone is changing classes so often and you also have like at the minimum 30 characters to choose from right yeah. like it always it always feels really fresh when and it's always it's always exciting to see like what is this person's special move how do they play as this class it also i think something we talked about brendan is like it does weirdly fill in the blanks in a cinematic way where like you can kind of see like how badass Petra is as an assassin or like Marianne summoning her horse friend to just destroy everyone. Like it's yeah. it's, it's little stuff like that, but it goes a long way to kind of also highlight their character. That's mm-hmm. something that I love about fighting games is like how someone's fighting style and their animations can kind of tell you like who they are without there being really a story at all. And I feel like you get that in this game with this giant cast as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel so much like the more of this game I played, the more obsessed I became with just like making sure that every character had their time in the spotlight. Like mm-hmm. as I recruited, I, I have finished the game, by the way, uh, dear listener. <laughs> I was like, I need to make sure every time I go into a mission, I am bringing in new people so I can see what their like big cool move is. I want to see them in like the most like wild outfit I can put them in. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just like obsessed with making sure that everyone had their like time to like pose and be cool. Um, yeah. But I really also appreciate, as you were just saying, Sadie, the, the way they folded in the Fire Emblem stuff into this game, like even when you get into the big chapter ending missions, the ability to throw in adjuncts. So you have like the four characters that you're playing as and then the Fire Emblem idea of having an adjunct, which is like a character that you're not playing as directly, but you can kind of have them like shadowing another player is really, really interesting because you can independently take these people that you're not playing as and like send them off to do things or you can essentially attach them to other characters and say like you're just going to guard this person and you're just going to be this like cool little duo running around which is like great on multiple fronts number one you know because of the whole like weapon triangle thing that they're bringing in from fire emblem means that you're kind of like making sure that this person has multiple defenses so it's not just like hi i have a lance so i'm gonna get like rocked by like everything else uh if you like pair them (laughs) with like a brawler or a mage or something uh and that's great but also they have supports in this game, everyone. So yeah. just having them hang out together on the <laughs> battlefield means that they might smooch later. <laughs> and that's what it's really all about. Alana, I'm curious how you're feeling about it, where you're at. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you said, Sadie, where this is my first of the Muso slash Warrior games as well. Um, I think I'd like maybe tooled around a little bit with like a Zelda version, but it was just so not my thing. Like it felt mm. so button mashy and just like stressful. And then I started the demo of this and just I think I was texting you, Brendan, where I was just like, this is so much better. 
better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Like, it's so much better than it needs to be. Like for all the reasons you guys mentioned about sort of the mechanics feeling so integrated. And like, I just think the resource management side of this is like top notch. <laughs> like I absolutely, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but like upgrading the camp has become like one of my obsessions. Like it turns out that I absolutely love figuring out how to get like 10 artisan smithing sets, you know, so yes. I can go and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, upgrade some vendor. And like, I'm constantly doing the math about like, well, if I have five smithing stones, like they'll go a longer way if I like trade them up for blah, blah, blah. Like you start running all these little like algebra problems in your head in a way that it's like, and, and like, so I put 35 hours into this so far and I'm not finished. I'm, I'm a little past like the halfway point, I think maybe even closer. Yeah. Um, I'm on like chapter 10, but either way, like I, I just, I am so, so into this game. Like I, it is, I, I thought it would like tide me over until the next, you know, mainline Fire Emblem game, but it would be sort of something sort of interstitial or something sort of less than, but that is definitely not the case. Like I am enjoying this as much as I have enjoyed like other mainline entries in the series, honestly. Yeah. It's kind of like when an opening band steals the show and you're like, fuck, yeah. like I didn't even come here for them. And now I'm like a totally. fan of that band. And- I bought three t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I bought merch. I bought Gautier merch. I got a Chez tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, honestly, I think, I think Chez is such a huge part of why I like this yes. game in a way that is genuinely shocking to me. Like I, like I remember when the trailer was coming out and it was like, cool, this like purple haired character named Chez <laughs> that they're like shoehorning into this game that I know so well, like, like already you're dealing with such a level of ridiculousness when it comes to like three houses characters mm. that like, I almost didn't think I could suspend the disbelief of then sort of being like, and also you're a mercenary running around who's like even weirder than the last time you were a mercenary running around. But I think <laughs> Shez is such a perfect like analog. I don't know. Like I, I, I'm playing as female Shez and I just like love her voice actor. First of all, I think there's just like so much personality. Yeah. yeah. The dialogue, I think like, like she has a character and I presume that male Shez, you know, is somewhat similar and kind of like the wry jokiness, but you know, maybe not, maybe they're different. And it's just been like really fun to be one of the students weirdly like, like, yeah. When you're Byleth, you're kind of always a little bit at a remove, I think necessarily so. And like, arguably, maybe you should be at more of a remove than you are <laughs> later on. But but I don't know. I think that like Shez is such a great vantage point to to be coming at these characters who I care so deeply about from. I strongly agree. When the preview came out, I was like, this character has the worst hair in history. <laughs> I'm going to close my eyes while playing this game. But like now I'm like Team Shez. Their personality is just like, it's very, like, it really brings you into it. He's like engages the other, I'm playing as male Shez. Um, and I will say he has kind of like a himbo energy, but like yeah. really well-meaning <laughs> the way I've been playing him. Like he's smart, but he's just like, kind of like, yeah, let's go. But I think he's really warm and like, you know, Byleth, her backstory and everything in Three Houses, you know, kind of prevents her from having that kind of immediate connection with the other students. Um, and I think that's what makes the supports in this game really shine for me is just that Shez is like digging into these questions and getting emotional responses from people. It's amazing. That's such a good point, Sadie. Yeah, I feel like Byleth's whole energy in Three Houses is like very slowly but surely trying to help these students like come to terms with the things that are holding them back. And like as an educator, legitimately trying to like essentially be a therapist for them. And Shez is like, no, I have to like work with you on a daily basis. We are cohorts here. I'm just going to call you out immediately the first time I meet you. And then every conversation after that is just going to be like fan service nonsense. Like literally the first conversation between Chez and Felix is just like, oh, I get it. You really, really, really hate Dimitri, huh? Okay, that's weird. You want to talk about anything else, though? <laughs> Sword boy. Yeah, similar with Lorenz. 
one of the first supports with Lorenz and Shez is like, you're like secretly a good guy, but you got to quit all of this. Like, yes. <laughs> like I, I like tell people you're a nice guy and like, don't make me look bad. But yeah, I think like, I think you all have a really interesting read on Shez as a character. The big thing is that they are a sort of authored character and Byleth was a silent protagonist. And I think like Byleth was also sort of this chosen one character. And I feel like Shez is like almost by the story being set up to be. But they're like, mm. no, man, like I'm not that person. Like I'm not going to accept that role. Like I'm going to be here for this team and help people. But like you've got you've casted the wrong person. You know, like you're, you're <laughs> yeah. artificially trying to make me and quite literally artificially trying to make me a chosen one. It's just not who I am, which I think is like a really interesting kind of refusal of the call, but still being, you know, the de facto protagonist mm. and i think that they have this nice middle ground of like you do have dialogue options in this game that do feel pretty meaningful like you can tell them like in three houses i don't know why they give you dialogue options because usually like ellipsis or i don't remember you know it's like okay cool yes or yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, Shez can say like either like encourage the person or like shut them down. And it feels like that actually has weight. Even if it doesn't, it feels like it does in the moment. Yeah. Steven, that's that's actually that's such an interesting point, because something that I really enjoyed in the paralogue battles that I've played so far is they're doing a lot more work to sort of explain the context of like Shez being there in the first place. Like I just did yeah. a couple days ago. I did. It was the Sedeth and Flane uh, paralogue where I think they have to go and like rescue the shield of Saros or something something like mm. that. And like at first Rhea is kind of like, Shez, why are you here? Like, I don't really know you that well. Like, do you care about the church? Like, what's your deal? <laughs> and like Shez answers, like, I, I think you even maybe have an option, but I think that my Shez said like, you know, I frankly don't know you guys that well. And like, you know, I want to give you a hand and get to know you. But like, and it just makes so much more sense than, you know, so much of Three Houses does when you think about like, why is Byleth coming along? Like, wh why are Leone and Linhart like going to go fight this like evil turtle <laughs> why is Violet there too like like it's weird to say because like again this game is just as chaotic and like I'm, I'm not gonna say that there's like a plot to speak of that's like so cohesive but I do think it is really actively endeavoring to to plug some pretty major holes uh both those left by the previous game and those that sort of uh crop up in the course of this one too yeah I mean I think it's the same writers which is interesting you can definitely feel that and I think like it's definitely for better and for worse it is uninterested in going through the same path twice which I actually appreciate the game like and that's why I think you should really not play this unless you've played three houses because like yeah. the game just skips stuff that is integral to like understanding these characters and like knowing why they would feel a certain way which again I appreciate that we're not rescuing Flane for the eighth time in white clouds like we are just jumping to what is new in this game and I think that only really works if you have the required knowledge going mm -hmm. in I think also like I have noticed, and this is something that, you know, we're not in spoilers yet, but one like critique I have, I guess, of like the narrative is that like, I think Three Houses to me is a game where the A plot is kind of a backdrop and the focus is obviously like getting to know this cast and like being a mentor and seeing how people change. And it always kind of felt like surprisingly personal for a game that is set in this like you know, high fantasy setting. It's like, it kind of does capture this surreal feeling of like when you grow up and like after college, like seeing what people are like now and seeing like the distance that people put between themselves and other people. And like, you know, mm -hmm. your image of someone as a kid and who they are now. And like, you know, I think like there's something about having to battle these characters that you've kind of just seen in passing, like in part one, that's so powerful. And the game feels so laser focused on that and seeing like, 
you know, in, in repeated playthroughs, like that person that I kind of wrote off as an enemy, I now know on like a very deep level and like understand them so well. And I could see like even the characters that are unlikable in Three Houses feel so purposely written, you know, like the characters that that are not enjoyable to be around have Hanneman. Like, a re- <laughs> I mean, Hanneman, you know, you can kill on sight, but everyone else has I did sort of in, in Lions. I, I, I had to personally strike him down. Yeah, I bring all this up because I think that in Three Hopes, a lot of the characters are kind of just like, like there are some characters who they have a lot of fun with and are like enjoying the like, you know, the sort of what if nature of this follow-up and then there are some that are just like left in the dust like completely on the sidelines and it's sort of more of a testament to what a like miraculous and impossible task three houses was to like give a cast of 30 plus like everyone's got a meaningful arc in this game it's like like i'm playing golden deer and like poor ignats they gave that guy like a half a rough draft and it's just pathetic and you know it's kind of like i get why some characters don't feel as integral to the plot but it, it is disappointing to see like in Golden Deer I would say Marianne, Hilda and Lorenz surprisingly are like really really fun they've got really interesting stuff going on Marianne especially you you see a lot more of her kind of coming out of her shell and she is great like one of my favorite new supports is her and Bernadetta together because they are kind of similar They're, they're both characters who like are really hard on themselves they've got like really heavy stuff going on but they kind of immediately see themselves in the other and they become really good friends and like low-key bernadetta pitches animal crossing to her she's like i have an idea for a story where you just befriend animals and like nothing really happens it's like whoa what um but you know i i like i like what they're doing with some of the characters and there's also some new ones that are fun that we'll get to but yeah some just sort of feel like like lysithia for example like is just doing the same you treat me like a child stuff and it's like I kind of maybe maybe in different combinations and different supports who get more sides of her, but it does feel like kind of half the deer to sort of like there and you don't get that kind of meaningful Greek choir of like, oh, no, we're at war now. This is scary. It feels more like I can't wait to go out and kill people. You know, it's like a little bit strange. Yeah, they do. They do Ingrid really dirty in Blue Lions. I I just think like that. It's not really getting in the way of me enjoying the game at all. Because, again, I think that this I kind of saw this game as like the movie of the TV show I love is coming out. So it's (laughs) sort of there for the spectacle. And I think it's like it's truly exceeding all my expectations on almost all fronts. But I do think that like it is a little messier than that sort of like focused emotion of Three Houses. Yeah, I would agree, especially with the Blue Lions run, I think, in Three houses that's sort of the most like intimate interpersonal storyline with just like it's all happening in your heart and your mind and less about like what what territory we're going to next and to claim it but like this uh in three hopes it's very much like a lot of cutscenes are them just talking about strategy yeah and i don't mind it but sometimes my brain just like starts fuzzing out and i'm like i want Dimitri and Felix to talk to each other and get really sad. That's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. But it, and not to say that it doesn't deliver. It does deliver. I think it is. Yeah. How you said just a little messier. But I feel like that makes sense because Chez is a random mercenary with a worm ghost uh, living in their head. <laughs> and Violet was like handpicked by the Pope to be a god and has a bit more of a divine <laughs> intervention thing going on. So I feel yeah. like her guidance is going to lead them in a more structured way uh, than Shez, who's just sort of like, yeah, let's go. That's, That's my the, Shez impression. Yeah. 
That was a good impression, honestly. I also think like the big thing about this story is like none of them go to school. So not only do they not right. have Bylet's guidance, they only got like a semester of weird war academy. Yeah. So they're all they had to figure out what to do with their hair in like 20 minutes and they're all just like here in war now. So yeah. like it is interesting to see what effect that has on some of the characters, including some of the ones that, you know, were playable in three houses but aren't in this game. Well, it's also interesting too seeing how many of them have responsibility thrust on them earlier. Like Felix yeah. becomes the Duke of Freldarius, Lorenz becomes the Duke of Gloucester. I think prior to their father's passing away, like I, th- I think that like or or whatever, like I think their fathers are still alive when they become when they have those roles. And sort of like it, it's really interesting seeing how that spins out in Felix's case, where he like sort of like the the plot line almost between him and Sylvain, like their support is so fascinating. Where it's like Felix is supposed to be this little hot head who's like constantly starting fights and Sylvain has to like pull him back from them which is a really really different characterization of Felix from mm. Three Houses like where he was supposed to be so disciplined and so sort of like inwardly focused and like so broken up about Glenn's death that he like couldn't step outside himself anyway it's it, it's just interesting I mean we'll, we'll probably get to the dads too because like, oh, the dads. There's, some, there's so some, many some dads. real dad stuff going on in here bring it, on the dads <laughs> yeah totally I mean we can go to the dads right now but it is fascinating seeing sort of the the handing down of power happening technically much earlier than it does in in three houses yeah i think one of the things that is fascinating to me about this game kind of going back to your critique steven a little bit is i feel like three houses was so singularly focused on the idea of you being an educator and you trying to help these kids so i feel like everyone in the cast has some kind of arc throughout their supports and in some cases even throughout the the main story as long as you continue to invest time and talking to people and hanging out with them throughout the course of that game, they will have some kind of thing that they're uh, making their way through. This game doesn't really seem to do that as much, at least in my own estimation. There's a lot of like telling people what their fault is and not a lot of them actually working through it by the end of it, which I think is like both a little bit of a plus and a minus for me because where that focus really does, I I think, crop up is in the story. So the characters, like you were saying, that they do focus on in the actual narrative, like in the A plot itself, are the ones that actually have these arcs but without giving away too much but like all of Dimitri's supports with Shez are like you're working too hard and he's like I think I'm working too hard and like it's that (laughs) three times in a row and like that's pretty much the entirety of their friendship is just like him constantly checking him for being like hey it's three in the morning you should be asleep and he's like I should be asleep you're right my good friend and like that's the entirety of their thing but Dimitri in the A plot has like a fascinating arc that's like very interesting and ends on a I think a really cool and weird note and and becomes a different person by the end of it uh and and has a very different story to what was happening in three houses so they are definitely having a lot of fun with these characters when it comes to the a plot but the supports are a thing that i found myself at least over the course of the game and especially now in new game plus i'm like a little less interested in than i thought i would be because i thought that that was the reason i was going to play this game and the further in i got the more i realized like once you have seen somebody see level support you've kind of seen most of it for some people there are a couple i think like the bernadette and marianne one is like a really shining example of like oh they actually did something really cool here um and kind of filled in some blanks that i feel like were only being filled in on tumblr.com for a while Uh, (laughs) but i mean for the most part i found the narrative of this game to be like surprisingly satisfying given that it, it really is just like a big what if um 
it's yeah. it's like surprisingly good even though i would say at least and correct me if i'm wrong Sadie and alana but i feel like the blue lions one is a little bit like um like star wars episode one like we're spending a lot of time hearing about the trade federation and not a lot of time like yeah. doing anything else it's like i don't i don't need to know this much about like political intrigue i think uh yeah i'll just hit some people with x and y it does feel a little bit like you're receiving an education like i feel like yeah. uh by five and i've sunk 60 hours into this blue lions run which is insane because i'm not finished uh, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on chapter 14 um but i i do feel like i am now really taking classes at the tactics academy that that's real for me <laughs> Now, I don't know if we could really get into this outside of a spoiler section, but I just want to bring it up that I'm interested to see what you think if they're better off, the students of Garrig Mach, hmm. better off with Shez or Byleth like w- how they ended up <laughs> that's a great that's a great question to ask and i think that might be something we explore because i think we're kind of veering towards spoilers so maybe we can like break AJ, here. <laughs> no, no, i think that's a great like seed of political intrigue to plant before we take <laughs> yeah. a break and move on to spoilers yeah a minor lord has purchased grain <laughs> your, your honor ben quaterneros has has flanked our troops <laughs> sorry <laughs> We need to do a pincer attack. Sebulba <laughs> <laughs> has shown up. I do love my one of my favorite things that makes me laugh every time is like when there's a enemy general that appears. And this is like a most of the tradition. Like when a general shows up, they get a little cut scene to kind of hype them up. Yeah, and it yeah, works yeah. when it's like a character who, you know, so it's like, oh, shit, Ferdinand's here. But when it's just like monk or like a priest <laughs> and they're like, I'm ready to fight. It's like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, nobody? It's just a taller like, version <laughs> of the person that you just killed 400 of. <laughs> Hyping up nameless priests. Yeah. You'll, like, you'll no. get a side quest that's like kill four hundred monks in three minutes. It's like cool, and then it's like, <laughs> and then there's like a cutscene that's like you now fight the ultimate monk. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same stats across the board yeah. as all of the other. Don't bother the other monks. Just go. After- <laughs> that was for you, Stephen. It was for me. <laughs> Bone saw the priest is ready. <laughs> Anyway, why don't we uh, take a break here and then we'll just talk about dads for hours and hours oh, and hours. Oh, God. I'm salivating at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, see you later. We'll be back soon. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 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 And we're back in the podcast. Uh, Whoa. Full <laughs> spoilers. Here's the thing. It's going to be full spoilers, probably for Three Houses as well as three hopes um i'm the only person who has finished the game and i am going to withhold the information about what happens at the end of the video game fire emblem warriors three hopes just to be clear so uh if you are also towards the end don't worry i'm not going to say anything about what happens there but i think uh alana the furthest you've made it is through chapter 10 say to you're through chapter 14 so mm-hmm. that's probably kind of like the limit of where we'll talk about uh but also things are different in the different houses uh steven you played golden deer uh none of us have really played that much further into uh black eagles past what is available in the demo so there's a lot of video game that we don't know anything about so uh i I would say imagine that the spoilers will be focused on what's going on with the support scenes of the blue lions if i were to guess (laughs) yeah i I can talk a little bit just about like overall what's happening with the deer i would say i'm like in chapter 13 ish um and there's there's a big event that happens in part two of all the houses in a different way that i think we can talk about a little bit later but uh i think golden deer if you don't mind me taking us in please golden deer is really interesting because i would say in three houses golden deer you describe blue lions brendan as like this sort of like emo uh jock house 
and Golden Deer is like the John Hughes comedy house. Like it's like the mm-hmm. most the most levity. Uh, even in part two, when like a war is happening, their story is much more reactionary. Like they they are not the initiators or the defense. They're kind of on the outside, and they're sort of making sense of what's happening. And Claude, the whole game is like kind of the trickster, and you never really know like what he's up to. Like he comes off the most amiable, um, but there's sort of like. A potential darkness underneath but in reality he's just a great guy like his his deep dark secret is that he like loves and cares too much yeah. um which is, which is and i i like that i think that there's something really special and gripping about the grayness of both the blue lions and the black eagles especially like both those house leaders are going through major stuff Demetrius is very personal edelgard's is like secretly very personal even though she's like i think that house you learn a lot about like the state of fodlin and like crest like i never really knew what crests were when i played blue lions first and then i understood more Mm. in black eagles and like you get a very strong sense of like how messed up the class system is and all that so like you know in in one house you get a very personal story and the other you get like a very like strong societal story and golden deer is like what if we all got along um so i think that i like that in three houses there is kind of a a a house that sort of has an answer to what's happening is like you know what if we got rid of conventions in a way that wasn't like war and kind of like you know we're a true democracy basically but that aside i think going into three hopes i think that there's a expectation choosing golden deer that it's going to be very similar and it is very much not uh i think in this game they have chosen claude to be the problematic fave which is really interesting he's the same guy but i think they play with the what if scenario with him so essentially like in the very beginning of the game the lester alliance is like not doing well at all the empire is invading and almira is invading so like claude a doesn't get byleth's guidance and friendship, which I think is really that relationship. Like, I think all the house lords have a really strong connection to Byleth, but I think like Claude and Byleth feel the most like two peas in a pod to me. Like, they kind of complement each other well. And I think Shez and Claude do too, because they're both kind of like, you know, in his term, they're both outsiders. And I think he, of all the house lords, he would be the one to just like trust a random mercenary to help out with like his mm-hmm. continent changing scheme. Um, <laughs> you know, so in, in Three Hopes, Claude doesn't have the Byleth relationship, doesn't go to Garrick Mock, doesn't really get to meet the people of Foldlin in the same way, and also has to, again, I think this is a common thread, like he has to assume responsibility right away, and Lester is like on the verge of not existing anymore. Like it's it's every house in the Alliance has either been defeated or has surrendered to the Empire in like part one. It's just Claude's house and Hilda's house that are like remaining loyal to the Alliance, and Almira from the East is invading. So like there's a line he has where he's like, man, like I had all these hopes and dreams of like what I wanted to do, but like I have to put what I want second to like what the country needs basically. So it goes from like being aspirational to like pure survival mode. And because of that, I think his like scheming nature becomes much more gray, if not straight up evil at times. Like I don't think he's an evil character, but he does really bad things. Like there's a battle where he... Uh, at one point basically like he reclaims a lot of the alliance and then dissolves the alliance and becomes king claude which is already kind of scary what it becomes the lester federation and he becomes king what yeah and everyone's (laughs) like oh shit and then he 
signs an alliance with the Empire, and then in battle, uh, going against Fargus, basically lets the entire Empire army die so that they can win, and like no one in Leicester can get killed. So he like uses an ally as bait, basically. Wow. And what's really interesting is that like people really call him out on it. Like Judith especially is like, you're king now. Like if you're gonna be, because there's a lot of discussion about like you see how ineffective the round table is and how bureaucratic it is. And Claude's like, it'd be so much easier if I could just call the shots, you know, angsty teenager king. Um, <laughs> and then he becomes that and then sees like how quickly that can kind of corrupt him. And I, 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 to the game's credit, like he doesn't just become like edgelord overnight. Like he is thinking so much like a game of chess, but when he actually does see like his friends calling him out on this and like, seeing the horror of what he's doing like it does affect him but i think similar to edelgard in three houses he feels like he has to do it it's like okay well i'm in too deep now i gotta keep going down this path and i think his only real redemption comes from ironically listening to all like marianne especially and i think lorenz in this game is so interesting because he's always kind of been the foil to claude like he's always like you know he's the one that's beholden to tradition and honor and claude is sort of like a new force in the alliance and in three houses you're like shut up lorenz like you don't know anything Claude's awesome <laughs> and this game lorenz kind of becomes like what the fuck are you doing like this is not honorable this is not how a king should act which i think is carries a lot more weight and i think that they you know they kind of complement each other well in that point of view but i think eventually claude realizes that like he has to listen to the fellow deer like as his round table like he can't just act and keep everything a secret because like that battle is really disturbing because he didn't tell anyone else that that was the plan so when they're like hey the like the empire is losing really badly we should go help them he's like no no no, focus on this and then they're like oh this was your plan it's it's pretty shocking i think it's also a really cool opportunity for the game to explore that side of claude because we don't really get that at all in three houses and like you get that one line at the beginning of the game right where you meet all three of the house leaders and it's like yeah he seems like a cool guy but there's darkness behind his eyes and they just don't explore that at all you were saying uh, yeah it seems like they just commit right fully. like the big secret about claude is like he is from a different country like that's the thing that's like right. revealed over the <laughs> right, course yeah. of right. three houses which feels so trivial yeah yeah exactly I, I think making him kind of operate in survival mode shows like a darker side to him which i think is really interesting mm. and i think that kind of delivers on that promise of him being kind of a trickster and like hard to read um so I, i've really enjoyed problematic claude because uh, I, I love him <laughs> no matter what and uh yeah it just it's made golden deer to be a much heavier route than i was expecting which i've been enjoying mm. a lot yeah also me hold his brother who is like incredible i love holst uh, holst yeah <laughs> Hulse is so good. It was like a jump scare the first time Hulse showed up for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I jumped into the uh, Golden Deer during the demo phase. I jumped into the Golden Deer just so I could see it through uh, and Hulse showed up and I literally went, ah, oh God. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's got like, he's got like early 2000s spiked hair that is bright pink because he's healed his brother. He's pop punk. He's, he's extremely I said I wasn't going to say words with P's, but (laughs) pop punk. He is pop punk. I don't care if the mic peaks. It's like it deserves to peek at that sentiment. Um, See, so that, that's the gist of Golden Deer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that ends because um, I, I like the idea of because I feel like in Three Houses, Claude spends a lot of time 
using his kind of like trickster strategist energy to just wait for an opening for like literally the entire game to make the thing that he wants mm. to happen happen you know and it obviously takes like 40 hours for there to be an opening in that video game for him it, se- it seems much more interesting to take somebody with that brilliant of a strategic mind and have them like essentially backed into a corner immediately uh is really fascinating there's not a whole lot going on i'll say just on the black eagles there's not a whole lot going on that i feel like changes the game too much yet outside of edelgard C- Sees her opening pretty much immediately uh, while she's at Garrick Mach and like essentially launches into her full scale conflict against the uh, against the rest of uh, Foldland. The world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, pretty much like from go. I played the the at least the demo length of Black Eagles. Yeah. And I was I kind of was burned by a little bit of a bait and switch there. If I may elaborate, please, please. I was really excited when because Edelgard definitely like saw her opening. She knew that there were these, you know, those who slither in the dark and the <laughs> empires being puppeted and everything. And she teamed up with the church. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Eelgard teaming up with the church. Like, this yeah. is going to be such an amazing, like, plot. I, it's totally different from Three Houses. And then, like, after the time jump in Three Hopes, she was just like, well, I don't like that church anymore. I'm going to do a different church. I've decided I hate Sedeth. Yeah. And it was like, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, that's, you're just, now we're just fighting the church again. And we've yeah. seen that. But that is to say, this is only the demo portion. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I really want to see what it would be like if like Edelgard and Rhea teamed up. That'd be a big swing. Yeah. Yeah. That's like problematic Claude. Like that's like, a oh, shit. This is really different. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious to see where it goes because it it feels like the the game has already in the first like four to five chapters of Black Eagle shown so much of its hand which are effectually a lot of the like later reveals of the Blue Lions run are things that happen within the first four chapters of Black Eagles, which I'm really, really fascinated by. So it feels like you can't just continue to keep the status quo for the rest of the game and not have any like weird swings, especially given some of the stuff that happens in Blue Lions, which I do think is a little bit more like I would say level across the course of its plot, but starts off on such an interesting note that the rest of it is just ripples outwards from that first thing. So just like, Mm. I guess to fill in a blank, one of the first things that happens in the Blue Lions run is uh, Dimitri has to kill his uncle, who is like, hey, I don't think that you're the rightful heir. I don't think that you should be king. And Dimitri's like forced into this position where he has to take the life of his own family member to assume essentially the role of king like way too young and does. And that's a thing that does kind of happen in three houses, but his uncle gets away and that becomes like a plot point is like, you know, he has to like hunt down his uncle. And that's the whole thing that's like, you know, making him more and more upset over time is like this looming threat of like maybe being usurped by his uncle down the line. In this game, you just behead him like on the steps of his throne, like pretty much right it's at the top. It's a gorgeous cutscene. It's I have beautiful. To say. <laughs> I was, I, it like took my breath away. Where I was like, "Oh my god, Dimitri has to like literally." This is a Game of Thrones scene. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, 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 intense right at the top. Weirdly enough, though. I- I don't. It's so funny because I feel like the looming threat of Dimitri is like, oh, is he going to go and turn into the boar again? Like, is that is at any point Dimitri going to like completely lose it and become this like kind of hateful, malevolent force that's going to need a redemption arc again? Cutting his uncle's head off just kind of like sets him on the right path, and he's just like a yes. good king from that point on. <laughs> it's all so yeah. odd because I, I feel like it's 
Three Hopes feels like for the house leaders, you know, with power being thrust on them, it's like a Mm -hmm. pressure cooker where it's like, okay, we're going to turn up the heat here and see what they do. And I think it works out great for Dimitri because he doesn't have time where he's isolated and kind of like he's he always is having his people around him and he gets that first crumb of like okay i'm starting to have information on like the tragedy of dusker and what really happened Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all the supports around him and then it it does stay level because i feel like it's everybody just keeping dimitri in check for most of totally it's it's like group therapy and (laughs) (laughs) i think it's i think it's it's very if you're a fan of dimitri it's just kind of nice to watch (laughs) him be taken care of I'm Do you think sap. he keeps his eye patch in his back pocket, like just in case? I was like, <laughs> I think Felix has it. Yeah, Felix, Felix, has, Felix it. has. He's like, I don't know. I just think he might need this someday. Yeah, then, it's like that's what's <laughs> tying his ponytail together. <laughs> that's that's stupid fucking ponytail. I love that it. I'm obsessed with. Oh yeah. This morning before we recorded, I unlocked the A support between Dimitri and Felix. I gotta say, like all of Dimitri, uh, no, not all, all of Felix's supports with like the Fargus Four, like with Sylvain mm. and everybody. It's like really good. There's mm. some good, yeah, there's some really good, good content in there. Yeah, that's the heart of that of that house. You know, yeah. I think like that's the thing I, I, I've heard from Brenda that New Game Plus is like really great and lets you just like skip battles. So if you just want to like great. see the story, you can. So I'll probably do that for all three because I think Blue Lions were my first house in in three houses and like. I think that that house has the strongest sense of history. You know, I think with the other yeah. houses, you get a sense that like some people are meeting each other for the first time, especially Golden Deer. It really feels like, oh, it's the first day of school. And then in Blue Lines, it's like, I've known you since you were in preschool. You're always a piece of shit. Right. You know, we like- were born holding hands. <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that like that, that core is still there. I mean, it's kind of similar with Golden Deer, like Hilda, Claude, Marianne and Lorenz, I would say are like the core of that house as well. Yeah. So it sounds like they, they focused on like sort of the main characters in some ways very much the problem with blue lions though to that extent is kind of what i was saying earlier like i really think they dropped the ball on ingrid like like look i I am not the biggest ingrid fan like full stop but i think that she is such an interesting dynamic component of of the fargus four and of the blue lions and i think that she is so one-dimensional in this game even like i think i texted you guys about this but like she sounds like i guess from persona 3 on the battlefield like she sounds so robotic like let's strike while the iron is is hot or yeah. like prepare the operation it's like what do you mean you they didn't even have those words in like 1185 <laughs> Stop it. she won't use anything with an apostrophe in it <laughs> do not ask me to do those things totally she's so flat and like wait i actually i don't even totally remember was in this timeline she was engaged to glenn before he died right or yeah. was, was she not okay yeah like that doesn't really come up in any like materially interesting way. I don't know. I, I just think that like they did Ingrid real dirty and it's it's a shame because I think that she could have been yeah. an interesting character. I actually would love to see a version of Ingrid that like wants to break the rules a bit and like wants to kind of like, you know, when we see Sylvain being like a goody two shoes, it would be interesting if they sort of did the flip flop for Ingrid too. Like, I don't know. I think that th- that is one more moment where where I think that the Blue Lion story could go from like good to great if, if she were more involved. Yeah. Yeah, there's I'll say this for Ingrid's sake, Alana, there is a paralogue that does explore that a little bit, nice, but only a little bit and not enough to 
redeeming <laughs> as a character in this game, yeah. think, which is a huge oh, bummer for me, too, because Ingrid was one of my favorites. I recruited her into the Golden Deer pretty early on uh, in my Three Houses yeah. run. Great fit for the Golden Deer. Oh, she is a fascinating Golden she Deer She has great supports with Claude. Uh, yeah. I was it's just like, going to yeah. say, they have an amazing situation. Um, yeah. So I was really excited to see how they were going to explore her in this like what if zone. And, and the answer is like, it's not a what if at all. She just still really wants to be a knight. And that's kind of yeah. it. <laughs> There, there were a couple Ingrid moments that I, I enjoyed, not as like an Ingrid fan, because I, I do like Ingrid, but like, I think that she, you know, they did her dirty. We, we can say that. There was a moment in that paralogue where Dudu is just like, hey, Ingrid, can I, can we, can I just talk to you for a moment? And I was like, oh my God, Dudu is going to get her ass. Like he's going to finally <laughs> call her out. <laughs> on her like weird prejudice against him and everything yeah but then it, it just ended up not being that but that moment right. was like oh my god he's gonna do it to yeah. do is gonna stand up for himself but it it does get addressed later in a um support with dimitri but it's like very clunky because dimitri's just sort of yeah. like ingrid do you still hate the people of dusker and she's like not anymore i have thought about it a lot and that's like it that's the whole thing <laughs> right yeah it's yeah. Like, so Great frustrating arc. Um, Dudu, on the other hand, incredible in this Amazing. game. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. He's just like a god. Like, you can't really mess up Dudu, you know? like I've said it before. He's the most important character in the game. Yeah. He's so wonderful. He, he, he and has... Ash have such a wonderful relationship yes. in this game, too. They're like, I've always, they've always been on my on my radar, but like I, their supports are so cute. Whenever you have like a meal with the two of them together, they have unique dialogue. They just like, and like there's that one chapter where I think Dudu is like missing or something and Ash just keeps being like, like everyone's like, we have to help Dimitri. We have to help Dimitri. And Ash keeps being like, and also Dudu. Yeah. <laughs> That's really nice. You can recruit Petra at one point and Dudu and Petra yeah, have yeah, like yeah. the most incredible supports where it's essentially like uh, Dudu is teaching Petra just like how to speak whatever the language is that they speak in Fodlin, I guess. And uh, I don't know. It's just like Duolingo is how I would describe <laughs> it. Uh, it's so good, though. I mean, it's like that that relationship between the two of them is so fun and so interesting. They're like uh, that, that's like one of the only people you can recruit where you have like a bunch of supports uh, with another member of the Blue Lions because you can tell that the writers were like, no, 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 this is going to be sick. People are going to lose their minds over this every time they hang out. Uh, and you know what? I did. It's not a coincidence that I think the best supports are the ones with characters that didn't have them in houses, you yeah. know, like mm. Marianne and Bernie, Petra and Dudu. I think also uh, Linhart and Hilda get one, which is like who can out lazy the other one oh my god so fun yeah Um, i want to do that that i also think the paralogues in general are really good uh there's a paralogues yeah there's a great paralog battle in the deer with balthus of the ashen wolves who i've never really been into the wolves they've always kind of felt like oh i love the wolves i I just i feel like they um it almost feels like someone is making fun of fire emblem like <laughs> uh, but I love Balthus because he's like, what if Raphael was a little bit goth? Like that's like my yeah. dream. And Balthus has a strong connection to Lester. So like you recruit him because he's so in debt. He's fighting for the Empire. And yes. so it's like, just stop it. Like, come here. I think Hilda's like, Balthy, what are you doing? Right. Um, Is it, yeah, he's like canonically like Holst's best friend or something. Yeah. Right? Or like, yeah. They, yeah, they like grew up together. That's so funny. The parallel is Holst, Balthus and Hilda. Oh, my oh God. My God. Uh, they're all hanging. Balthus is like, hey, do any of you have any money? Can you buy me lunch? And they're like, no. <laughs> and he's like, oh, OK, I'll see you later. And he leaves and like debt collectors. Just swarm like, <laughs> like armies of debt collectors, and it was like, "What the fuck?" I mean, she doesn't say that. Um, but 
um, Hilda Holston Shez go to save him. And there's some really fun dialogue just like throughout the battle. That's some, something that I think the genre benefits from here is like the idle banter in a mission mm-hmm. that you don't really get. You know, sometimes you'll get like a dramatic moment where like someone will attack someone else and they'll be like, I can't believe you joined Edelgard's army, you know, and then they'll fight. Uh, <laughs> But um, there's a great moment where like you're you know Holst is Holst is going to save Balthus and it's kind of fun because Holst is like very you know he's this like esteemed general his quote is now is our chance like he's very like serious and and Balthus is kind of the fuck up but like you could tell that Balthus really admires Holst and Holst like would probably let his guard down with Balthus and Hilda just loves the two of them together at one point though the debt collectors are like oh we'll kidnap this weak little girl and hold her for ransom about Hilda. <laughs> And then Hulse goes, oh, my sweet little sister. She's, oh, that's not nearly enough armies. She'll be fine. Like, like, there aren't enough armies to conquer Hilda. So it it was a really bizarre, like, rom-com moment, but it was so much fun. And it was also, again, like, a narrative that was only kind of talked about, but you never really got to see. And that's, like, the moments that this game shines, like, when they actually deliver on what was implied in Three Houses. I love Balthus's, uh like, latent ability where if he punches somebody hard enough, money flies out of them, and you, like, <laughs> if you're playing as Balthus, you just collect money from people that you kick the shit out of while you're playing. Yeah. First of all, like, pretty much every character has a really great, like, kind of latent thing going on. I love Lorenz's whole thing where it's just, like, a tornado of rose petals. Of roses. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. So, it's good. so good. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, Petra has essentially just, like an, like, an anime teleport that she just kind of, like, zips around on the battlefield as she's fighting it's so sick i i really appreciate it but balthus has made me laugh so hard because yeah. even, even in the blue lines when you recruit him it's a similar thing where it's like he's out of money it's like oh we'll we'll pay you more than they're paying you he's like this sounds great and then he joined so, so my first mission i was like let's see what balthus is all about because when when you recruit characters they join at essentially like almost the highest level that they can be based on the highest level member of your party at that moment um so balthus like immediately i was wondering about that brendan yeah. because mine all came in at like 33 when yeah. i recruited the um golden deer during my blue lions run and everyone was at like level 20 except for my Shez and Dimitri who were very high levels so now like I have like a really overpowered Marianne which is yeah I think (laughs) it it might either be based on like where you're at in the story or it might be based on your highest level unit I'm not really sure but you might be right actually it might just be like where you're at in the game taking the average or something yeah Yeah, but that's anyway Balthus was immediately usable so I just was like let's see what he's all about because at the at that point we have a group chat between the four of us dear listener that we've been texting the whole time I feel like all of us committed to the bit of making uh Sedith a brawler (laughs) he he doesn't join the deer so I couldn't live the dream but Uh, I appreciate the effort yeah he's waiting for you on the other side (laughs) (laughs) new game plus brawler Sedith yeah it's just a brawler Sedith dating sim sorry oh shit (laughs) <laughs> a BSDS? Hell yeah. Oh my god. Wait, quick sidebar about the Sedith dating sim. Yeah. When you when you go on an excursion with him, he's just it just falls flat. That's all I can say. Oh really? <laughs> He's he's literally just like, wow, thanks for taking me out here to this beautiful field. It would be cool if there was a battle here. Wait, uh, that was rude. And that's like that's like the only thing he says is just like, I'm imagining a skirmish. And I'm like, okay, whatever. How was your day with Seth? He brought up model trains for like 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then described the color beige at Like me, we were on a picnic a and he was still talking about tactics. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't think of Sedith as like a warmonger. Yeah, I don't think of Sedith as a warmonger either. But then they, you know, they keep dropping things like he was an advanced tactician, Saint Keyhole, and he wrote the book. (laughs) Have you read it? And I'm like, all right. (laughs) 
Sure. Oh, that is one thing I have not been doing in this playthrough at all. And I'm wondering if you guys have is read all those like extremely long little Fodlin history books scattered around them. the camp. They're yeah. so long. I've been. <laughs> yeah, I have like the interest for knowing it, but the act yeah, of making too. you like it sounds very immature to say, but like rarely do I want to stop what I'm doing and read in a video game. Totally. I think the only time I've done that is the Hades Codex. Oh, so yeah. well written. And, and oh, the Mass yeah. Effect Codex. Like those two. See, I've been doing it. Elden Ring. I just yeah. read every single well, item yeah, description. That's where they keep the bottom. Game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's one really good exception to... I knew I'd figure out how to work Elden Ring into this discussion somehow. (laughs) It's only a matter of time tarnished. Uh, The very important exception to the little Cliff Notes books you find around, uh, there is one called The Tome of the Comely Saints, and that one is referenced in... It's referenced in Three Houses as like a book you give to Manuela. Oh, yeah. You actually get to see what's inside of it. And it's literally just like, which saints were handsome? And they were like, St. Keyhole was was fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. I recommend you read the tome. That's amazing. That's like the lusty Argonian maid. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oprah's Tome Club. Yeah. It is speaking of like dating and romance and stuff. It is funny to see this game also just like basically canonize certain ships. Mm-hmm. Like, oh uh, my Marianne God. and Hilda have a paralogue where it essentially just confirms that pairing. And like when I recruited Linhart from the Empire, Caspar was like, "Don't take him away from me." I'm like, "Okay, canon." <laughs> yeah, uh, I love when, it. I mean, it's cool to see. You know, he he he's. I just recruited him uh, a little bit ago in Mind Blue Lions Run, and Linhart's just sort of like. I miss Caspar. And that's like yeah. really all they Aww. say. They really make you feel guilty. I mean, I could have, I would have recruited both of them. You only gave me Linhart, you know? It is interesting with the way that I think the recruits are, if you're recruiting from, let's say, the Empire in a Blue Lions run, when it's like a very staunchly opposing force, it's very, they they really give the characters the option to kind of just not want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Dorothea just like is unhappy here and it's like i maybe should have just let her stay with edelgard she seems really torn up about it Mm. i actually ended up killing yuri rather than recruiting him just because i don't know it seemed like like it seemed disingenuous to get him over to our side somehow like maybe i'll feel differently when i play again but like i don't know it it did not feel right to recruit him thematically i was and and i fucking love yuri he's like one of my favorite characters i love him i did recruit him and i i felt like it was a mistake also yeah, I, like I think I'm going to save him for my uh, bl- uh, Black Eagles run. I liked recruiting Yuri because, <laughs> because he is a great support with Sylvain, where they canonize that Sylvain is bisexual. And I just feel like that's important. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> totally. That is so important. Something for the fans. <laughs> well, actually, so speaking, I mean, speaking of that, like, you know, you know me, long time, uh, long time Sylvix shipper, first time caller. <laughs> but it is fast. It is fascinating that like that is not I don't think being stressed in this game at all I think if anything it's like Dimitri and Felix it's constantly like it's Dimilix like like for sure constantly Dimitri is like Felix kept me up all night yelling yeah. at me yes. and you're like oh word <laughs> that's what happened yeah it's like the he last- was firmly scolding me all I mean, night <laughs> right exactly and even if you like don't read it as romantic I think that there which I think would be silly not to but whatever everyone's you know all God's creatures but I do think that like the Dimitri Felix relationship is so fleshed out here in a way that's fascinating and like that Felix much more quickly sort of is like obviously I love and care about this person but like Mm -hmm. you know I am frustrated for x y and z reason like something that's sort of frustrating about three houses is that he like 
spends, you know, 90% of the game just sort of being like the boar, the boar, the boar, the boar. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I'm fine. He's fine. We're all good. And and this feels a lot more like nuanced and gradual to me. I really like watching that relationship unfold. Yeah. This feels like a Felix game to me. Like, like, I mean, again, he's one of my favorite characters like ever, but like <laughs> the, the blue lions run feels so squarely focused on him as like Dimitri's support. Yeah. Yeah. I found it really interesting that Felix was sort of more of, cause you know, when they call him the shield of Fargus, mm-hmm. I was always in Three Houses. I was like, well, to do is kind of like Dimitri's guy. Yeah. But in, in Three Hopes, it's much more like Felix is really stepping up to that role in a way that he didn't. And it's totally it, it's interesting even between uh, Felix and Dudu with how Dudu feels about that. Yes, yes, it's absolutely. So good. They have such a funny dynamic in this. Yeah, I love it. I love Felix. <laughs> <laughs> this is a He's Felix focused podcast. I mean, yeah. that's what we signed up for. Um <laughs> I I do appreciate Felix's storyline specifically in that I feel like he's one of the rare characters who does have an arc that is explored via supports over the main story. Like, cause I mean, we can maybe get into dad talk now, but Rodrigue, Felix's yeah. father is present for a majority of the game uh, in the, in the blue lions run and spends a lot of time essentially just like prepping Felix to take over. Um, although he like technically has already essentially just, you know, being like a, a guy who's passing down fatherly wisdom for most of it. And that's like, kind of it when it comes to the a plot like it's a lot it is a lot of felix being like bore 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 but then as soon as you get into the supports <laughs> like that is where felix is starting to express himself more as like an actual real human being with thoughts and feelings and emotions uh and like maybe his own ideas and i really really love that because i having never finished a blue lions run in houses i didn't really have that same attachment to felix outside of just like hearing the three of you constantly tell me how great he was so i was really interested <laughs> to jump into blue lions this time and just like kind of get a first-hand look at why this character is so great and uh yeah immediately immediately striking um and and where they take him throughout the course of the game i think is wonderful by the end very happy with felix and the last support with dimitri is unreal i yelled i yelled out loud i did holler and then i took screenshots of every single part like every time (laughs) i screenshotted it (laughs) then i went to the conversation log and screenshotted the whole dialogue (laughs) i was like i just feel like i have to have this yeah do you know what my one thing is and actually tell me if this does happen because i would be so excited about it but i don't think it does we never see what glenn looked like do we like ever no mm-hmm. i mean well oh, maybe maybe in brendan's further along uh no no he doesn't show up <laughs> no I, I don't like, frankly i feel i feel like if that were in the game even though i hadn't gotten there yet like i i would have known about it by yeah. now just like certain parts yeah, of- i would i would have seen and produced fan twitter art. would have imploded yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway just i want to know if the ponytail is a glenn affectation oh my god oh, shit. don't break my heart <laughs> that's my theory i love so if you if you don't mind i have a screenshot that i took that made me yell but in a in a different way that i want to share i think this will also usher in a conversation about something that i think alana you haven't seen yet so just checking in it's cool that this is spoiler for you right so so fine okay (laughs) to preface this screenshot i will say that there is a mission in all three routes that plays out differently but essentially in that mission arvel is pressuring Shez to take on Byleth, the Ashen Demon, again. And then there's usually also something else happening that, like, it's kind of a do-you-choose-one-or-the-other scenario. Mm -mm. If you don't fight Byleth, that mission ends with Byleth and Geralt joining your army. 
uh, so you can have Teach and Teach's dad uh, as a playable character, have supports with, go on expeditions with. It's great. It's really, really cool. Um, and uh, Geralt is now in the camp. Again, I'm playing Golden Deer. Leone is part of the Golden Deer. Leone's entire character is how much she loves Geralt and wants to be like Geralt. <laughs> Geralt says to Leone, Oh, <laughs> I'm so nervous. <laughs> Leone introduces Gerald like, hey, this is Gerald. Like, I told you all about him. He's like my reason for being here and like who I want to be. Gerald responds, I was just humoring you back then to kill time. I don't remember taking you on as my apprentice. Ah! Ah! That like stings so oh she my then God. Says, like, She's like, oh my God, are you trying to make me cry? And he goes, okay, okay, you're my first apprentice. All right, yeesh. It, it's 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 like the most brutal thing I've seen in a video game. Oh, like, my, oh my God. God. Yeah, it's I, I wonder, like, I feel like in Gerald's defense, <laughs> uh, they didn't reunite in Garrick Mock the way they do in Three Houses. So like right. in his me- like, he's also like low key 500. So he's probably like, I don't really remember you like you were just a kid. <laughs> but he's also like, I don't think Gerald in Three Houses would ever be that rude to somebody like he's pretty. Yeah, he's a pretty nice guy. Right, right. No, that sounds like some alternate timeline stuff. To yeah, me, I mean, and even Byleth, who is now fully voiced, which is really fascinating. Yeah, I went on an expedition with Byleth just to clear the air, <laughs> and <laughs> and she was like, essentially, she she had a line of dialogue like, you know, I think I'm essentially like built for wartime. Like, I, you know, I mm-hmm. think that like that's my purpose. Mm-hmm. And the right answer is saying like, I don't think that that that's actually all you have to offer. So it's almost like the game is positioning Byleth as someone that, you know, it goes two ways. Like all these characters didn't have their guidance, but they were also never given the opportunity to be a mentor and kind of learn off of their Mm. students as well. So it's like, what if Byleth was like just basically a vessel for destruction, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, what is there a chance now and now that they're like part of the team in like kind of a sort of uneasy way? Is there a way for, for them to meaningfully connect to other people and like become the person they were, which I think is really fascinating. I didn't realize how much of a connection I have to Byleth, given they don't say anything. Like, I actually did find myself, like, there's a line Claude has where he's like, I'm really happy you're with us now. Like, I feel like there was part of me that was calling out to you this whole time. And it, like, actually warmed my heart. Because I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm Byleth. I was Byleth. That's me. He's talking to me. He's talking to me. But, uh, yeah, also, Byleth is sick. The way they interpret Divine Pulse in this game is time freezes. So everyone is frozen and you just get to do whatever. And then sick. time resumes and it all just happens as you like walk away. Uh, so ugh. what is sick too is that there's a thing you get called the Merc Whistle, uh, which is an item yeah. you can give a Merc Whistle to anyone you have an A support rank with and Chez gets their ability. So all this time I was thinking of giving it to Lorenz, oddly enough, because one, I weirdly had this like Lorenz, the first expedition I went on, he has got a big role in this. I've like fallen in love with Lorenz in this game. I'll I'll admit it. Yes. (laughs) And his tornado rose petal move is like incredible. It's so But now that that I can get Divine Pulse by giving Byleth the Merc Whistle, that also represents like kind of like a piece between the two characters. So uh, Shez with Divine Pulse is going to be a problem. Like I think the game (laughs) was breaking half. So yeah. What was really interesting in Three Hopes that wasn't present for uh, Three Houses that goes into why, like, Geralt is rude, Byleth is mm-hmm. battle-hardened. It's like they really go into more about what mercenaries are and what their lifestyle is in a way that yeah. I was sort of like, oh, I know this is a sword class. And I know it's a word in real life, too. But, like, they really show you what it <laughs> means in the context of the world and how 
you know, money talks. And I think that's, that's a really interesting that that is also a strong plot line in Blue Lions because it doesn't yeah. seem like it would be, but it's there. Stocks and bonds. Bye, 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 <laughs> sell, sell. <laughs> It is bizarre also because I feel like Shez has this real like the, literally the first chap the tutorial of the video game is Shez with uh, their mercenary crew essentially getting wiped out by Byleth and Gerald just like getting completely eviscerated and Shez is the only one left and in all of the conversations after that about that experience Shez is like well that's just what mercenary life is like it's like you've been traveling with yeah. these people for years they're like your family Shez like nope didn't don't really care that much you're my new friends because you're paying me <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's kind of the opposite of Garrick Mach where it's like they are in this environment where they have to kind of detach themselves from everyone around them yeah and i think what's interesting about byleth and shez is that they're both kind of being puppeted in some ways like yeah i don't know what's going on with sothis in this game but they are not chill like sothis is yeah. <laughs> whenever byleth does something fucked up it's like sothis doing it yeah Byleth almost has this kind of like memento like i don't know what happened what was were we friends did i kill you i don't know yeah it's usually a blend of byleth's voice and sothis's voice too in those instances yeah and arvel i don't really have a firm read on because arvel was like really wanting me to kill byleth which kind of leads to like the bad ending where like a bunch of sad stuff happens not ending but like it's bad moment yeah and i i expected arvel to be like how could you defy me and they're like no oh, you, you made a cool decision i respect that I'm like who are you like what it's you crazy yeah. <laughs> this whole time it's like your purpose our destinies are intertwined and your purpose is to kill the ashen demon and yeah. then if you go around and recruit her arvel's like well i'm gonna support you no matter what because <laughs> i love you it's like, so bizarre i wasn't expecting this from the weird like nether space worm but yeah, go off i don't i don't know again i'm i'm like in chapter 13 or 14 so i'm like near the end but i don't know i don't know what happens i don't know arvel's true destiny but it's absolutely linked to those who slither in the dark in some way like yeah. There's markings on their face. Like the, the marks on Arvel's face are exactly the same as Edelgard when she like transforms in yeah. Blue Lions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of like visual connection. And even Shez is like, where is my power coming from? Like, this is evil, right? Like I, I grow horns and like, I turn orange, uh, which I appreciate how blunt Shez is. Like it, it kind of feels like, like I, I don't, I don't like when a script will comment too much in like a meta way, but I think Shez like, very naturally responds to what's happening. It's like, this is absurd. Like, I'm not, you're forcing this onto me and it's not working. But yeah, Arvel, I feel like was created at least in like a nefarious way, but I don't know if they are also through their connection with Shez and other people, if they are finding redemption through that connection as well. Like mm -hmm. if they have this like goal programmed into their head, that's like kind of softening because they see the power of friendship, you know? I just had a breakthrough of like, in three houses, there's all that time where Sothis doesn't remember who she is. Yeah. I feel right, like this right. timeline, Sothis does remember who she is. So oh. she's not working with Byleth. She's like, okay, I'm Sothis. I got this puppet. Let me just like go for right. it. But I pilot her like a mech. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Byleth is just a sexy little Gundam. And... <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I feel like Arval is very much where Sothis was in the start of Three Houses of just sort of like, I don't know who I am, but let's be pals. I have a feeling that our destinies yeah. are kind of connected, you know? I feel like it's like bad advice from your stoner friend in your head, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. You should totally kill that, that girl from school. Did I say that? Like, whatever you did was fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a great point about Sodas, though, because I think that, like, the only reason, like, a spoiler for Three Houses, but, like, Rhea essentially wanted Sothis to do what she's doing here. You know, mm-hmm. like, Byleth was chosen right. as, like, a vessel for Sothis to kind of, like, be reborn, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. To, I, I didn't even make that connection. That's a great observation. I have no idea why my brain started to work, but I'm, I'd like to thank the candy bar <laughs> that I speed ran before <laughs> starting this recording. Jump starting those little brain cells. The ghost worm in my head who tells me what to do. I'd like to thank them. <laughs> yeah. I do love there, there's that one. I don't know if you had that one support scene, Stephen, yet where uh, Byleth and Shez are talking and Byleth is like, just out of curiosity, do you have like a weird little voice that yeah, tells you what I to do? That, your- yeah. <laughs> and Shez is like, are you talking? Uh, do you? Yeah, and then that, that's, both a, are like, that's exactly uh, what happens. Yeah, yeah. it's unbel- it's an unbelievable scene. Uh, so one of the things that's really interesting about this game that I I can't see myself really ever doing the game does kind of end if you don't recruit Byleth and Gerald. Uh, there are two chapters of the game that just don't happen in all of the runs if you don't recruit those two, and the game just kind of like wraps up. I haven't seen how that happens. I do have a save that I have uh, backed up just in case. So I'm kind of curious to just go like check it out and see what happens. But if you don't recruit those two it seems like the plot just kind of wraps up and mm-hmm. i have no idea what that could possibly entail but that having been said the method by which you have to recruit byleth and gerald is so obtuse it's I, so hard yeah steven you described the golden deer one which is completely different from the blue lions one both of which are like not things that you would intuitively understand or know how to do because there are so i mean the way this game plays there's like a main quest that's constantly updating there's a bunch of side quests the side quests that pop up in the mission where you have to recruit Byleth in Blue Lions, you have to do in a very specific order and you have to do you have to have before the battle even starts, have to have employed the right strategies in the like drop down of strategies that you can employ. So if you mm. allocate those resources in the wrong way, you just can never do it and you'll never know how. And it's honestly like so tucked away and so hidden that it makes me wonder. Steven, you and I have talked about this a little bit off the show, but it makes me wonder if recruiting Byleth and Gerald is actually not supposed to be the thing that they want most players to do the first time like i think Hmm. what they want is for you to finish your first run having not recruited those two and to think like maybe there's another way that this could have worked out and then in new game plus figure out how to do it probably go online and like look up the strategy to how to make that happen (laughs) but I feel like that almost ties in a little bit with what this game is trying to go for thematically, too, because I feel like so many of the supports and so much of this game is about like what could have changed, what could have gone differently. A lot of the support scenes are like so focused on the idea of regret and like overcoming regret that it almost makes me wonder if the way you're supposed to play this game canonically is like kill Byleth in Route 1, start over again, and then recruit Byleth and Gerald in Route 2. It's just so difficult to do. I almost kind of now regret having done it on my first route, if I'm being totally honest, uh, because I think it would have made for like a much more interesting twist on Route 2. I wonder, yeah, because with Golden Deer, essentially what happens is like, I mentioned that battle where Claude sacrifices the Empire Army. Mm -hmm. Randolph, of course, Randolph dies in like every timeline. Poor guy. Like he's always, (laughs) he gets shit on in every possible what if. Give me, give me a Randolph single player RPG where he just like gets a day off or something. He he starts Um, a coffee shop. Yeah. Uh. Randolph's beans. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, Randolph is the one to die and his little sister Fleisch, who I think is also the one that like tries to kill Dimitri in Three Houses. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Hate her. She learns a survivor from that battle is like Claude, like, like let us die. Sacrifice this all. Your brother like wanted everyone in the empire to know that that's how 
it went down. So she's like, okay, I'm going to kill Claude. Uh, I'm going to kill the king of the Leicester Federation. And she, I think it's independent from the Empire. It's not quite clear, like, if Edelgard knows or not. But Fleisch hires mercenaries to, like, go after Claude and everybody, including Byleth and Gerald. So they're under Fleisch's contract in this case. So essentially, like, the first thing you have to do is gather information from, like, different strongholds. And then you have the choice of, like, Arvel's like, you gotta fight the Ashen Demon. Or Claude's like... Everyone protect me while I like lower them to this rendezvous point and then go in a different like, classic Claude, shake them up. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he calls it too in the plot, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's time for another classic Claude, shake them up. <laughs> that is like so not dissimilar from what he yells during the demo, right? And he's just like, is it Claude time? Oh, yeah. it's Claude. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm thinking it's Claude time. Which I found very distracting. Claude is <laughs> sick in this game. He gets a white wyvern like in Three Houses that can just breathe fire if you push X. So he can like shoot fireballs down that bounces the enemies up and then he just juggles them with his bow and arrow. It's like really cool. Anyway, everyone's protecting Claude. So essentially... It's kind of confusing because I thought it was like, because usually when quests pop up, it's like you can do both. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was like a go fight Byleth or protect Claude. So I went to fight Byleth the first time. And then what happens is uh, the plan doesn't really work. You kill Fleisch. Geralt shows up to protect Fleisch and you have to kill Geralt, which sucks. And then Byleth sees that. Sothis gains control. Mech Byleth. She kills Judith uh, and then oh. leaves. And that's actually kind of Claude's wake up moment where like, yeah, he's like, oh, my God. Like, it also is very clear you get the bad ending because Shez is like, I wish I could have done something different. Like, if I was better at this game, <laughs> maybe Judith would still be here. And Claude. But it, I also wondered, I'm like, does is this the canon plot? Because like without not that Judith needs to die for this to happen, but like the way it plays out, Claude does kind of realize the error of his leadership. Right. right. It like scares him straight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, similar with like. Rodrigue sacrificing himself and then Dimitri's like I've been a bore this whole time (laughs) um so so that so essentially that's like what could happen is bad but then you know if you if you protect Claude you get Byleth and uh yeah it is it is like weirdly like the game does say like this is an important battle like the story will play out depending on how you do but it's not clear like I just thought like if I win or lose I didn't know if it was like right doing a quest or something so it's a little it's a little strange yeah I I do think maybe Brendan what you were saying about that maybe being the intended canon like there's a gorgeous cutscene for the yeah. bad the bad ending of that battle and it was so you know high production value I was sort of like well this must be what it's supposed to be but then yes. I had a moment where I'm like this doesn't feel right yes. I like went and looked at a guide and I was like oh I know this game has too much Rodrigue but I want <laughs> I want just a little more Rodrigue <laughs> I do think whether or not you like start a new run to see the Byleth thing I think it's it's good to lose at least once. I think we actually yeah. like had the ideal way because that we don't have to do it all over again. Like right. you see what can happen and then you try again. Yeah, I, I, got wish that, the game... I got that save file ready to go for yeah. the dark ending. That, I think that's my plan. Um, it's this also... is very helpful, honestly, to have you guys like detailing this before I <laughs> oh, get yeah. there so now I can yeah. know what to anticipate. No, I would be Googling it anyway, so this is very helpful. Google was very helpful. <laughs> it's also worth noting that... Uh, at the end of that thing, Sothis takes full control. Like, Byleth kind of, like, loses to Sothis, and it's, like, just yeah. Sothis calling the shots, which is kind of scary. But, yeah, I, I do really enjoy, like, seeing Byleth. I kind of wish they had more supports, but that's also just what Three Houses is. Um, they have plenty of supports with everyone, but they have supports with Geralt and Shez, and I think that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still really cool to, like, 
interact with them and, and to hear their voice and like how they talk in the battlefield. They just, you know, they, they have voice lines in three houses, but they're kind of just like, thanks for choosing the menu. It's not really like a character. <laughs> I think they honor her being a kind of blank slate in a really cool way that I noticed since, you know, she is the player character for three houses, but in three hopes, when you go to like her character description page, they have her like likes and dislikes Her dislikes are none. So every time you give her any gift, (laughs) it like does the maximum support raising because she just loves anything. And I'm like, that's right. Because like, you know, we we wrote Byleth in a way like we would decide if we'd love to receive a fishing float. And it's just like very sweet that she loves everything. And I'm saying Uh, she's sorry, Byleth. That's really cute. I got girl Byleth brain. So (laughs) I've actually never played as male Byleth and I've played three houses, I think eight or nine times <laughs> I, I just don't even recognize male violence i did once to marry bernadetta <laughs> i alternate who i play as but i feel like canonically it's femme violet it just yeah. feels correct but uh in an expedition with her uh i asked about likes and dislikes and she said i don't know if like is the right word but i find myself helping people almost reflexively <laughs> so it's like Aww. it's like i don't know if i enjoy it but i am the main character so Aww. here i am thanks for bringing me to the forest yeah, it's it's a great game. I mean, I I think this is about as good and way better than this type of game should be and could have been. Yeah. You know, like this idea of like even like outside of the Musa stuff, just like a follow up to Three Houses. I think that that game is kind of like it begged for a sequel in the way that like A was a hit and B like these characters like people like kind of crave more of in some ways. Which like, can be a dangerous thing because it's like, you know, at a certain point, like, let it be like it, it was what it was and move on. But on another, it's like there's such a rich cast here. You can kind of throw them in any scenario and it will be fun. So I'm really glad we got just like another chance at seeing them for better and for worse. You know, and it was always yeah. going to be it was always going to be uneven in terms of like who gets to be a star and who is like Ignatz part two. <laughs> I, I, I having the best time with this. Um, how did honestly, they do it? How did they pull it off? How do you get that good? How do you I get that like good? They pulled it off again. I am. I, I don't want to fully commit to this, but I'm not against like once we have all seen more of the game to like reconnect in some capacity, even if it's just our text chat, you know, like <laughs> our, our group thread. Like I would love to talk because I'm really, really curious what happens with the Black Eagles here. Yes. Um, me too. And I think when inevitably there's the new mainline Fire Emblem game that comes out, you two have to come on. Uh, and we need to discuss. Oh my God, would love to. Yeah. It would be an honor. It's so funny. I mean, I started I started this being like, there's absolutely no way I do all three routes. So like, I'm going to do Blue Lions because mm-hmm. I want to sort of like get that sense and like, uh, LOL, like, <laughs> as, I, <laughs> as I say, someone who has played three houses eight or nine times, like I, I absolutely want to see the other two routes all the way through. Um, And yeah, it does sound like New Game Plus is, is the way to do that. So I'm very excited. Yeah. It, it like feels like it's so out of nowhere. Like, like I feel so so grateful to just like have this game to play around with for like a long ass time it's funny because like brendan i think you were asking me or asking us about this like whether this makes me want to play three houses again and like kind of no like like not to say like you know here's the thing like i will be playing three houses again probably for like the rest of my life you know like i don't don't think it stops here but this almost like it scratches the character itch so well and then it also has its very own type of gameplay loop that is so different in some ways than what three houses is doing that like it's almost just dissimilar cravings you know like like they are different types of food to me almost and like that's been really I, i have just been like pleasantly surprised by this every step of the way which is such a nice way to feel about a game yeah absolutely. I, 
I'm having a really interesting experience with it because it, we were just talking about this before we started recording the episode, but I did not have that experience with Three Houses. Like I finished Three Houses once. I felt pretty good about it. I've gone back and played a majority of a Black Eagles run uh, and a big chunk of a Blue Lions run, but like not really that much of either. Honestly, uh, I haven't I have never finished a second route of that game and I probably will eventually kind of like you, Alana, like I imagine I'll just like revisit it forever because it's like just such a wonderful singular thing. But something about this game and specifically the way they've implemented New Game Plus really makes it so easy to see all the routes that I have to imagine I will probably do the same. Just, I guess, like to fill in some blanks, the way New Game Plus works is... Uh, you carry over your character levels for every character that you've recruited and no. all of their equipment oh and gosh. all of their support. Uh, so all of that is done. Also, your camp level for all the facilities carries over as well. <gasps> so- Sorry, this is like Christmas morning for me. <laughs> and then on top of that, I love my camp so much. <laughs> on top of that, you also carry over like your money and your equipment, obviously. But they also allow you to start buying with renown, which is a thing from Three Houses and is now present again in three hopes this stuff that you just kind of like accumulate as you continue to like unlock achievements and things like that you can spend your renown on a new item it's another kind of whistle kind of merc whistle adjacent that lets you just use it on a battle and just skip it entirely so you essentially just get like a c rank on that battle so like if you want to go and get the s rank rewards and stuff you can go back and actually do it but it just allows you to like fly through the game and it costs i think like two renown which you're like but by the time start the game you'll probably have like 60 or 70 so you know if you use it kind of like sparingly you'll be able to just like fly through a whole second route but honestly what i have found is that i am flying through this game a second time specifically just because like i recruited so many of the black eagles in my blue lions run that i'm just like using those units as kind of like my main units and then my adjuncts i just have like tagging along with the ones that are all level 50 uh yeah you know in the level in the level it's supposed to be for like level four characters so they're just like power leveling essentially and also building up supports you know for the people that i've already built up supports with so i don't know it's just like a joy to play through and i'm having a great time and i'm probably going to continue doing it um the other thing that's worth mentioning uh because this has been a little bit like i've seen some articles that have some like misinformation about this so i feel like you know clear the water or whatever you can spend a bunch of renown on unlocking a bunch of characters uh that are not in the main game do you mind if i tell you who they are please please okay Go for it. So you can unlock Raya as a playable character, and you can also unlock Sothis as a playable character. Wow. Ha 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 ha. If you <laughs> recruit Byleth and Geralt in your run, you can also recruit Arvel as a playable character as well. That's sick. The thing about those three that I find very frustrating is that you can't bring them into the actual story missions. You can only play them. You can only play as them in like missions that you're replaying. So when you go talk to, I think it's like the oh. record keeper and you go to like replay a mission yeah. to like try and get S rank or whatever. Like those are the only missions in which you can bring those characters, which is a little bit of a bummer. But that's a bummer. Yeah. If you finish two of the routes and go to New Game Plus to do a third route at a certain point, I think it's like chapter four or five. The gatekeeper from Garrick Mock shows up and is like, I'm tired of hanging out and just like guarding a gate can i come hang out with you and you can recruit oh the gatekeeper and you can play as them like in the story through the rest of the game and they're like wow. a super destructive force um <laughs> so i'm yes. like amped for that i wish you all could see the look on my face right now this is like amazing news it's also it just like shows 
like we something that I think is great here, and and this kind of maybe applies to some of the sort of like head y stuff that is now like mm. it's know, canon. Modified. But like, yeah, <laughs> it's like it feels like they listened to the fans just the right amount. Yes, like yes. like to know that yeah. like the gatekeeper is a fascinating like the gatekeeper is a meme character. Obviously, like the gatekeeper only became popular because people like thought it was so funny that he was always saying greetings, professor, and like that is so wonderful to make him a playable character. It's so wonderful to flesh out these sort of more like unspoken relationships. But I love that they're not doing a ton of like, like it does not feel at least to me, and I'm sure many people disagree. It does not feel like overly saccharine in terms of fan service. No, yeah. not I mean, at all. I also totally agree. granted that like these, these games are sort of clunky to begin with. Like, you know, you know, it's not like the most subtle dialogue, but like, yeah, it just feels really, really good to me in a way that's not It's like, more deaf than you would expect for a game that is built on the back of fan service and, and Tumblr posts. Yeah. Exactly. The exactly. writing is good. I, and I feel like yeah. the writing's improved since uh, Three Houses yeah. with like, I mean, I was, I don't know if I saw this on some part of internet or I was talking to someone. It's been a crazy week, but Felix's insults have gotten really good. Uh, <laughs> he's just like very, he's, he says some really yeah. mean stuff that's like very sharp and I love it. I'm like, this oh, writing. There's, there's one thing he says, there's one thing he says to Dimitri that's like, it's such a long walk, but I'm like, oh, clearly you think this is a zinger, man. Or it's like, it, it was like, you're a book with one chapter and no ending. Yes, and it's yes. like, okay, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's devastating, but also just like, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, that's incredible. And wow. for all the grief I gave it being like a weird political intrigue, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy thing for the Blue Lions for some reason. Those are um, the classes. <laughs> <laughs> Ignat's mastered Tinker. <laughs> Finally. The more I've engaged with it, the more interesting it's I like have found It's like the one with it. Yuri with like t- bells on the yeah. toes or whatever. It's like, oh, trickster. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I just think the writing is good. And, and I think like even though the A plot is a little bit kind of like paint by numbers war story with three factions, because you have... Again, this goes back to what we said before the break, but I mean, don't play this game if you haven't played Three Houses, but you'll have if you play Three Houses, you will probably play at least like one and a half routes and you will know way too much about the lore and these characters. And they really do take all of that context and weave it into something like super fascinating. Um, Just like what if this war happened too early? And uh, I really I kind of respect that. Like, I kind of respect the especially after playing something like Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which is, you know, the the previous not the previous, I guess, two Musa games before this one, because it was Persona 5 before this. Right. I think Strikers was last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the one before that was Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which is just kind of like a what if story that's like a half prequel, half not, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. alternate universe thing that's going on where they like don't really commit to any ideas. They're just like, oh, we just need to create existence where all these characters are fighting together this really does feel like a super considered really interesting kind of like make good on a lot of ideas that three houses raised but like either didn't have the time or maybe even the budget to like really facilitate i love it i think i think this game's fucking great i i don't know if i'm gonna walk away in the classic like brendan bigley fashion being like i think that the sequel is better than the original i don't know if that's gonna be it for me i think three houses is like honestly maybe too perfect for that Mm. but uh it is much closer to that the fact that i even had to consider it at all i think is like a huge win for this game yes yeah i I think again it goes back to like and i don't know if this is necessarily a bad thing but i just think it doesn't exist on its own like if you haven't played three houses this will be gibberish 
Like, (laughs) you know, and I think it's also like not that you like can't play and enjoy on some level if you haven't played Three Houses. But I think like narratively it was made for people who love that game, you know, and I think that like one of the many reasons it avoids being too saccharine, like you said, Alana, is that like there are a lot of swings that are like kind of shocking. Like I think Claude being kind of Mm. kind of nasty in this game is like not something fans wanted, you know, like, and I think some people (laughs) feel really mixed about, but I mean, I think like stuff like the gatekeeper and stuff is like so fun. And it also feels like the people who made this game clearly love this world and this cast. And like, they're just having fun with like revisiting it. it. It feels like a reunion in that way. You know, three houses, I think was such a big leap for fire emblem as a series. I think like Alana, when you were on for our awakening bonus, we talked about how like in terms of the tactics and like the map design, I think there's room for improvement with three houses. But I think just as like a singular experience and I think like it's kind of ironic that it took a while for Fire Emblem to think about like as a series, we've established that it's all about like training these units and there's permadeath and like usually your attachment to a unit would be kind of just like mechanical or like oh that Mm. i use this unit a lot and i know that they like food or something and it's like (laughs) i can kind of fill in the blanks uh and three houses almost felt like a critique of that or it was like okay like here's the character that that likes food but like do they have anything else i mean in Raphael's case not much else is going on but i think like (laughs) bernadetta for example a character is like oh she's the nervous one but it's like why is she nervous can she overcome that you know, mm-hmm. and I think like right. seeing emotional growth and narrative growth alongside like seeing the characters go from being like a, a rich kid with a stick to like riding a falcon is sick. <laughs> like, it's such a cool experience. So I think that like this is just like kind of more if you want it. That's sort of how I see it in my head. Uh, but it's it's a really good version of that. Yeah, I kind of feel weirdly enough like I consider this to be a mainline Fire Emblem game which I think raises a lot of questions about what Fire Emblem is as a franchise right like I I, I think you're so right in that the the progression of this series has kind of almost strayed a little bit away from like the tactics are the most important thing because the most important thing are the characters and the writing in a way and, and the support scenes between them and it kind of makes me like fully accept this as like a mainline Fire Emblem game even though it technically isn't one because like honestly just changing up the the mechanics way I'm fighting doesn't remove what I loved about Fire Emblem. Like I there is a piece of me that really enjoyed just like sitting there and looking at the game like it was a chessboard for a long time. Like that that part <laughs> yes, of it I think, yes. you know, I I definitely miss a little bit here. But even to that effect, the moments in which I sit there in like a tough battle and just decide how I'm going to allocate my units and where I'm going to throw them and into what strongholds and like who I'm going to send where, who is an adjunct to who, who am I going to play as, who am I even going to bring into this battle in the first place? Like I am kind of getting glimpses of what I love about the mainline Fire Emblem entries just in yeah. the like set up and sometimes in the moments in which you pause battle so there is a little bit of like an existential crisis about fire emblem and what that even means to me having played (laughs) this and loved it so much and i'll be very 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 curious to see how i feel about this new one when it eventually comes out because it it seems it seems very interesting seems like a very interesting idea for a video game based on the rumors to be clear i mean we don't know anything for sure the only thing i know about this rumored game is that the player character looks like the pepsi logo (laughs) yeah pretty much that was the The blue and red hair. Yeah. I don't know if that's real or not, but that's been been going around. Crest Uh, toothpaste hair. Yeah. Crest. Crest like in Fire Emblem. Oh my God. Think about it. (laughs) Was this all an ad the whole time? Like Crest toothpaste sponsored Fodlin? 
Colgate babies. I hate Hanneman so much. (laughs) Have you brushed your teeth lately? Won't you try this crest toothpaste? Is he playable in any house in this game? Is Hanneman playable? I just threw up in my mouth when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Um, I I don't think I have him in Black Eagles, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I do have Manuela, but I don't think I have Hanneman. Yeah, Manuela joins. I know. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in piss, Hanneman, you <laughs> On that note, do you think we should wrap up? I, I do like think we should wrap piss. up. I think that's a great way to, to close this out. Uh, unless, unless either of you have anything else you want to throw yeah. into the fire. Emblem. I, I loved the game. No. That's what I want to say. <laughs> like, I'm honestly excited. To, like, I've loved talking to you guys. I always love talking to you guys about this stuff. But I'm also excited to sign off this call and probably go play more. <laughs> yes. No, talking, especially hearing more about the uh, totally. other routes. I'm like, now that I know that Claude kind of goes sicko mode, I I was I'm very interested. hundred percent. He has a really cool, like, uh, his shoulder armor is kind of almost draconic. Like, it has, like, metal scales. So it's not Ooh. full eye patch, uh, but he has, he has like, kind of edgier armor. That's very interesting. I also love that they styled him exactly the same as post-time skip Claude, except yeah, without that he- horrible <laughs> chin strap. I think that he he, he came out, I, I think that the um, uh, golden, uh, oh my god, I was about to say the golden eagles, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> the golden deer, I think, mostly look the best as far as their uh, mid-skip, quote-unquote, makeovers yeah, go. I would say. Oh, I, I think they look great. Strongly would- disagree. <laughs> I'm actually curious, uh, you know, maybe we could sign off with this, but I would say in terms like quick gut check, I think Claude, Hilda, Marianne and Lorenz look great. Oh, I think Leone looks amazing. I love Leone's hair. I, I think Leone looks good, but I don't I don't get her character as much. You know, I think that like her mm. her like short totally. hair in part one or like the side, the messy ponytail was like more Leone's spirit. Rather than like well done. Bangs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, she looks good. I, just think I don't get as much Leone. Lysithia just feels like they just sort of like erased part of her bangs and like it's like there. Yeah. Uh, and Ignatz is just a tragic event. Ignatz is a mess. And the reason I said <laughs> he's never had good hair. He never did. And I'm saying that with an Ignatz haircut right now, that it's brutal <laughs> to live like this. I do not think you have an Ignatz haircut. Listen, I used I a thickening shampoo and I don't need Ooh. it. So my hair is like a helmet. <laughs> It's great. If I fall off my bike later, I'm good. Um, I think Sylvain's hair is really bad. Oh, my God. (laughs) Felix is wearing a bumpet under his ponytail to add more volume. He's got the, like, Ariana Grande, like, really tightly pulled back. Like, gives you tension headaches. I think he's trying to look taller because he is kind of a short king. But, like, you know, he's kind of competing for... Dimitri's attention with the Dadu and everybody else around all these tall guys and he's like I'm the shield of Fargus I'm gonna make my my hair a little taller up on his tippy toes yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear what everyone's favorite mid-skip redesign is and then we can officially sign off mm. but I'm gonna cast my vote for Bernadette's hot ponytail it's just so silly <laughs> Oh it's really and funny. Also, genuinely cool. Once it, once you get over it, like it's like this is, and that's again like that is so her character. You know, it's like what do I do? I don't. This is okay. Oh no, I did it backwards. <laughs> you know. Uh, so that's that's my vote. I'm Team Hilda. Hilda, if you're if you're oh, listening yeah. to this, <laughs> email me. <laughs> don't text. Don't call. I love you. I might vote Mercedes. I think Mercedes looks like pretty normal, yeah. and also because her. 
her time skip design is so atrocious and yeah, yes, but good. I think that this is like this that she's wearing like a wimple. It's so <laughs> weird, but I think that this sort of saves her from herself, but also looks a little more grown yeah. up. Totally. I think oh man. I'm kind of between three. I'll I'll tell you the two that I'm not going to go with real quick. I think I think to do actually looks great. Weirdly, with he, does. It, he like somehow oh, he makes awesome. a chin strap work, which I think is like he shocking. pulls off the facial hair and folds, yeah. which is impossible. This is like scrub. Yeah, he yeah. nailed uh, it. Pretty remarkable. I think Petra's whole vibe is sick in this game. Um, she looks cool. Yeah, but I think the person who gets the biggest glow up, weirdly enough versus their time skip look in Three Houses, weirdly enough, is Hubert, uh, who I think <laughs> has like. Has like a welcome to the black parade energy in in three houses that I actually don't think works for him, which is strange. Him just growing his hair out even more and just like right. putting a bunch of sea salt spray in it actually feels more Hubert to me. Uh, yeah, the texture yeah. is unparalleled. Beachy waves. <laughs> Go to the goth beach with Hubert. Yeah. Pack uh, your parasols. He just seems happier. He just seems happier with longer hair. <laughs> I want a what if game where Hubert is just in a great mood the whole time. Like, yeah, come over. No, you don't have to bring anything. I'll drive you here. It's like because he, Hubert loves coffee. It's like what if the coffee worked for him? Actually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was just had a lot of energy and pep in the mornings. I do love the thought of Hubert getting really into like third wave, like like buying like a Chemex and like one of those like individual scales. God, <laughs> like like thinks Blue Bottle is trash. <laughs> yeah, like what what is that uh, company Ember? Like one of those like Bluetooth mugs that like keeps your coffee hot. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to me until I've had. Yeah. I feel like Hubert getting a splash of oat milk in his coffee like makes the world of a difference. You know, he just needed a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, of, a, of an agent in that coffee. Hey, thank you both so much for <laughs> yes, joining us both. for this episode of the podcast. Uh, again, just the most like self-indulgent thing we could possibly do following the <laughs> DS episode. Uh, I'm so glad that we did this. Alana, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet on Twitter, uh, just Alana, A-L-A-N-N-A. And Sadie, how about you? You can find me on Twitter, etc. at Sadie Posting. I nice. thought you said at Sedith at first when you said uh, that. Uh, my, my, my Tumblr username is SedithFucker69. <laughs> but I won't tell you how it's spelled so that you can't find my, my Tumblr. Don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't follow me. Oh my God. Steven, what about you? Uh, <laughs> you can find me in Hubert's shadow. Uh, I'm, I'm the like Helga's sidekick who she punches in the face. Uh, I'm at Stephen Hilger on Twitter. Nice. Uh, and I am at Brendan Bigley on Twitter. Uh, and into the cast.online is where you can find our links to everything. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. You've got an eye for quality, friend. You've got an eye for quality, friend. You've got an eye for is quality, friend. Is that the one? Is that the one? You've got an eye for quality, friend. 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 Crests. We all must do our part. Goodbye. I am Hanuman. TWG, the worst garbage, the online.